episode two of the Scrubs. Scrub down. Scrub down. Um, my name's Scotty McDonald. I'm Andy. Um, my mentor. Your mentor. Well, Scrubs is my mentor. Uh, of course. The episode, interestingly, was also called My Mentor. Yes. Um, second episode of season one. Uh, they're officially in the set that they would use for eight seasons of Scrubs, what was the North Hollywood Medical Hospital, got repurposed into a TV set. Level three is their production offices. Like, they did literally everything here. Wow, that's Inside that's shots, outside shots, editing, everything happened. Now, a bit of fun fact about this hospital as well. Did you know that it was also the uh, the stage for Children's Hospital, which was a sort of com- comedy adult swim style uh, TV show? Post Scrubs? Post Scrubs. Wow. Can you tell when you watch it? You can. You walk in and you go, this is exactly the same sort of set from Scrubs. You've just given me my question for Bill Lawrence, which well, I'll bring up at the end of the episode. There, there you go. Now, obviously, uh, JD introduces us to every episode. Um, and episode two is no different. Mm. Um, and he actually makes the note that it's been two weeks since um, the previous episode where um, he's basically found out that he can do all the issues he was originally fighting with. Um, so putting in catheters, needles, mm. all that. Um, he basically basically admits it's now second nature to him. It would it would be interesting. I realize it's a TV show, but it would be interesting as a doctor the first time you're actually in a hospital, actually doing things to real patients. Mm. How steep that learning curve is! Like by the time you finish uni, you've been at uni for six, seven years. Yeah, you've got your doctorate. You've you've done your medical medical school. You've done you know everything you need to. You're finally there. Not you would have a doctorate in Australia, by the way. Really? Yeah, you um, don't. You do not, um, because you have to write a thesis to get a doctorate. Of course, you don't have to write a thesis to become a medical doctor. Well, a friend of mine who is about to start med school was telling me that you used to coach him in soccer, Jack. Ah, Jackie he was boy. Telling me, look at that. You coached him in uh, soccer, and now he's becoming a doctor. Um, furthest thing away from playing soccer, really. Um, he was telling me that it's more like a master's than a doctorate. Okay, well, it, that does make sense, obviously. You know, you go to medical school to become a doctor. Um, um, anyway, yes, so JD's now comfortable. He, he's now comfortable, he's come in, and I guess that sort of leads on to the next big sort of thing that, that starts from Scrubs is using a licensed, a licensed soundtrack, um, a song that introduces us it's funny you say that. The first note I put down was this is episode two. This is really, you know, they've shot their pilot and obviously got approval and everything. Yeah, yeah. Now they're into it. And the first thing that happens is they really, like, music, pop music has always been really important to Scrubs. Like, yep. they, like, every every season has iconic songs to it. And, uh, yeah, most, like, you know, and obviously you remember some of them, like The Book of Love and um, Overkill. and Well, there's a whole episode based around that song. Yeah, and it's, it's that sort of stuff. Um, so, whoever did the music, and I'm not sure who it was at the start, because um, I know that Colin Hay was responsible for it later on. And Ozzy, which is... Yeah, you know, from... Colin Hay, there's work. another person we've got to get on. We've got yeah, to get Colin Hay at work. Um, so, a good friend, Colin Hay... We believe that there was, um, he may have had some choice. I haven't actually looked to see what it was. Um, but the music always fitted to whatever they need to, 
the whole, you know, the intro to be about. So obviously this one is, he's now comfortable, he's now playing this, you know, the music over while he's doing the insertion of the needle, the, the IV into the arm, while he's playing this song. And to sync it up, it's he's looking around and it is everybody moving or, or tapping something or, or sweeping a brush or closing a curtain to the beats of the music. Mm. And it seems that that's, it's in his head that it's happening, but it, it worked perfectly to show that this is him enjoying, you know, he's now cruising compared to where he was two weeks ago. It's like a transition song, song to say, this is where I am now. You know, mm. I am comfortable with it. And and the, like like you say, it is just such like there are so many episodes of Scrubs that are dominated by the songs that feature a piece, in them. a piece of music. Yeah, either at the start or at the end that set that's part of a set piece of you know what's happening right then and there between the characters. You know, and it's usually like obviously they had the fray. I'm sorry, but my um, Uber Eats delivery is arriving. Oh, delicious. Um, I hope they can find your front door. We'll, we'll hear that happen yeah, in the background. Yeah, they'll, they'll knock in the background. It'll be fantastic. Yeah, so the fray... You know, th- that was one of the big ones. The rest, you know, a lot of them were sort of smaller, unknown indie bands, I guess. Or, or especially in Australia where we haven't heard these ba- sort of mm. bands before. Well, they're also older. Like, a lot of shows are known for... And working in radio, I get a little bit of a glimpse of this. A lot of shows will mm. get presented music by record labels. Yes. And they'll go, great, we can work that into such and such an episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if Scrubs ever did that because they just seem to use, like, both modern songs, but they would also use significantly yeah, older, older songs, songs as well. as well, yeah. But it, wor- it worked well in the favour. And I guess another point to bring up with that music was the janitor was singing it at the same time. Which, again, links back to, is it all in JD's head? Because now he's singing the song. So, the song finishes. Um, Kelso interrupts him. Then he stops listening to the music. He walks away disappointed. And the janitor is singing the song. Yeah. And the, the janitor appears twice in this episode. Um, oh, he, he appears a few times, but twice um, quite front on in this episode. Yep. The first time is that, where he's singing the song. The second time is when he's smoking in the stairwell with yeah. one of JD's patients. And he, like, Cox is there, the other patient is there, no one sees him, no one makes reference to him. He kind of just appears out of nowhere and blows and smoke. says, yeah, private party. Yeah. Um, and then he also tells JD he's a jerk. Yes, but again, <laughs> totally no connection yeah, no with any other yeah, character. Yeah, that's it. There's no, there's no connection between the two. It's, it's uh, between anybody else. It just seems to be JD and the janitor. Well, the other thing is as well, he says to... Um, JD says to Turk, I think the janitor's out to get me. And yeah. Turk Brushes says, could you off, be yeah. more helpful? Could you be less helpful? Because he's asking him for advice about Carla. Yes. Um, on that, this sets up Turk and Carla's relationship. Yep. It sets up Elliot and JD's relationship. Mm-hmm. Not even as dating, as friends. Yep. Which they are for so much of the eight, eight season. Yeah. Um, Rowdy is introduced. Rowdy, the, the stuffed dog. The, the the stuffed Labrador is introduced. Where is my food? It's probably coming. Um, we also got our first glimpse of Doug, the um, the incompetent doctor who later gets put into dealing in the morgue with all the cadavers. Yes. Um, and we also have the first time that JD's actually called a proper woman's name. So 
Uh, in he the, isn't called anyone. He doesn't. Call no, anyone. he's called Pumpkin in the first episode. Right. Uh, episode two, he's originally called Radar at the start, and then Susan. So Susan is technically the first female name he is called. Um, Hold on, I'm going to go episode. and get, get this driver. I'll be back. Oh yeah. Do you do you want to pause the thing? Okay, so um, we've got food now. Um, so this is the episode, really, where Doctor Cox starts calling JD girls' names. Yes, yeah. So previously, like I said, Pumpkin, and now um, in episode one, which technically wasn't a female's name, um, but he calls him Susan um, halfway through the episode. I wonder. Um, I don't want to be this guy, but I'm going to say it. When this show was released. 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was funny. If you released a show doing that today, people would lose their crap about it. Yeah, you would have that. It is that political correctness now. Um, you know, you, you, and I do agree. I think it would be a bit of a, a, a talking point at least oh, where yeah. you would have at least a handful of people offended. Oh, um, definitely. But it was to, to basically... I guess Dr. Cox's view of, of calling JD for being effeminate in many ways, mm. um, due to his emotional attachment to the patients, um, as well as a need to be loved by um, patients, staff, and, and Dr. Cox. Um, I think that, on that nickname point, this whole episode is obviously about JD um, trying to lock Dr. Cox in as like his mentor, but really as his father figure. Mm-hmm. Their character play in this episode is exactly what it remains as for the next eight seasons. Yes. Like, it's an almost identical relationship to what we get for the next eight seasons. It's an at-arm's-length relationship. Mm. And and more enforced on on the side of Dr. Cox for it. But, yeah, it is sort of... Dr. Cox wants him there, but doesn't want to get too attached because I guess he has felt burnt before. He's afraid of, I guess, having, you know, involving himself with teaching a, a doctor who then comes and leaves, which I guess you see in a few episodes um, throughout the series, you know, one where one of his old um, mentees sort of comes across, who joins a private practice. Um, when Elliot joins private practice. When Elliot joins private practice. Um, and when, um, I guess right at the end when he does, you know, he, he does go distant to JD when JD announces he's leaving to a different, um, a different hospital. Yeah. Um, so back to something I mentioned before, Rowdy. Yep. Um, Rowdy is obviously the, the stuffed yellow lab. Yes. Which uh, probably appears less and less as time goes on. Well, the Rowdy gets replaced with Steven for a little bit. Mm. When Carla loses him. Yep, on on the top of the, uh, the the roof of the car. It does such a good job of setting up who Turk and JD really were um, pre, the, pre the show starting. Yeah. In terms of that kind of gear. It's also interesting when Elliot comes in with food for Turk to try and mend that <laughs> relationship. Um, and they say he can smell the food. That's why he's there. But at the door when she arrives. But JD's sitting eating breakfast cereal. He is <laughs> in a paper bowl, no, no less. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, this is one of the big episodes. 
because this this um, sets up a Carl lot of the dynamic of, well, of yeah, the relationship. Well, yeah, Carla and Turk dating. Um, it starts Elliot and Carla's relationship. Yep. <clears throat> Which, as well, this episode is um, a real introduction to the Elliot that we see moving forward. She's still a little bit arrogant in this episode, which yeah, she, she loses she's, after a while. Yeah. She's no longer competitive. She's more, I guess, bossy and tattle- and more like a tattletale. Yeah. Um, but she's clumsy. Yeah. Um, she's kind of the outcast, which happens a bit. Yeah. And, yeah, you're right. She, she runs her mouth off without thinking of the consequences. Um I guess offending Turk on two occasions, <laughs> with with the uh, with the Morgan Freeman remark about his mum, and then making a uh, remark about Jehovah's Witness, which is also his mother. Just the um, yeah the the Jehovah's Witness uh, the um, Morgan Freeman line is great. When did you meet Morgan Freeman? That's mm. my mum. I like her freckles. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we also noticed um, the ID badges, mm. which is which is a, sort of a big thing. They wear them throughout the series. Um, a lot of the photos don't actually look like the cast members that they're supposed to be portraying. So there's, and there's uh, been talks, and I'm sure if we get Bill on, we can have a chat about it. Um, the idea that they just grabbed a badge, whoever's it was, and then just put it on because of the way the camera was. It wasn't. A, it's obviously not a high def camera. You know, I'm no. running it at. at 480i, you know, on a 4K TV, so it gets blown up. But the images definitely do not look like the faces that are are wearing the badges. Definitely Um, not. Um, Also, more prominent since they've moved to the uh, the hospital, it does look more dilapidated. There is so many missing ceiling tiles, Mm. which obviously shows to me that they wanted to start shooting before they could properly fix it all. And it could have been a budget thing as well. Well, that's it. Um, you know, you don't want to put something in your first season if you don't think it's going to last till the end, you know, to a second season. Um, I did notice a dro- like a drastic increase in quality um, of video quality. Big time. And editing. Um, that's always to be expected with a, with a pilot, obviously. Yeah, it kind of looked very 90s, the first episode. It did. It did. It was all washed out. Um, I think, the, obviously, the lighting and the camera were probably... Lower quality, um, whereas that you know, you know they're shooting on a better N- NBC style um, equipment now. Um, another thing I noticed was uh, Doug, and obviously we, we touched on this was his um, the incompetent doctor. His cameo it was this episode. Yes, purely sitting behind Doctor Cox. Yeah, he, he only says several lines. He just sits there and and doesn't really do much. Um, and sort of is more like the joke, sort of, this is what happens if you fail as a doctor. Mm. You work with dead people. Well, that doesn't happen for... How long does that take? A season? Um, yeah, about a season or a, and a bit. Mm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that, that were the big sort of notes that I got from this episode. Obviously, it, it was what I assumed, you know, JD's trying to start to reach out with him. He thinks Dr. Cox is this, you know, lonely hermit that has no friends and no one knows what happens and obviously tries to reach out with him with some um, light beer, cheap light beer, um, and have a DNM with it. And Dr. Cox sort of has a has a little go at him. Um, and, you know, leads him on for a bit and then starts making fun of him just as his, his out-of-work friends arrive and they start playing poker. Um 
So there, there is that sort of dynamic where you sort of see Dr. Cox does have a life outside of work. Um, and JD sort of doesn't understand that. He just thinks that it's based around what he witnesses. And because Cox is such a, a hard ass at work, he thinks he doesn't have that sort of friendship outside, I guess. Well, admittedly, we are introduced to the Dr. Cox apartment for the first time in this episode. And he does have picture frames <laughs> with nothing in them. It's true. Um, so he definitely... It, it looks like it looks like the uh, the set of the room, really. <laughs> <laughs> with spoons. Yeah. <laughs> John Dorian, you're tearing me apart. Oh. Uh, so, I mean, it, it could be based on that. And I think JD sees that and sort of tries to reach out. And obviously Cox isn't one for personal mementos, obviously, after having his heart broken by Jordan, which gets revealed... Um, Later, yeah. Yeah, end of this season, season two. Because because JD says to Cox during this episode, I'm getting better at talking to patients. This is what I became a doctor for. And that really sets up that JD's all about saving people. Yeah, he's and he's looking for that affirmation, which I don't think Dr. Cox gives him. Well, he doesn't get it anywhere in this no, episode. No, no. Because he doesn't get it from um, the patient whose life he's trying to save either, who's just not listening to his advice. Well, that's it, you know. So, he's he's come in and it, I guess it's short to display, I guess, a disheartening of, for JD that, okay, I've, I'm reaching this patient, I'm getting through to him, I'm showing him, you know, and connecting with him and Dr. Cox is like, you're not going to get that. It's And I guess Dr. Cox is the realist. You know, JD's this optimist that thinks, okay, by doing it this way and being friendly and connecting with people, it's going to happen. And then Dr. Cox is like, well, actually, people are assholes and this is what it's really going to turn out like. Um, The other character play that was very interesting in this episode was uh, Dr. Kelso, chief of medicine, really shows his colours as not caring about anyone. Well, that's it. You know, he'll he'll play the game. and, yeah, he basically tells Elliot off. Mm, for, uh, for, for basically for, for involving him. Yeah, where he know, so he understands as well that the nurses have power. Um, they're smart. And he just said, you know, don't draw me into your little pathetic squabbles. I don't even know who you, your name. Yeah. Sort of thing. Um, so I guess... Good episode. Yeah, good episode. Just an introduction to... Uh, it's still laying the foundation. And yeah. I think that was the majority of season one was just sitting down, laying this foundation, um, which isn't a bad thing. You know, uh, I've always sort of been one of those ones where uh, I don't like a TV series where you come in and the foundation has already been set mm. and they go in running thinking um, and then start doing backstories on everyone. Yeah. This one, we're kind of, we're kind of meeting we're growing the backstory. With, we're growing yeah. with them rather than, you know. It's starting in the middle point, and then, you know, they spend that half a season running with that and then showing bits and pieces, and then by the second half of that season, they're going back and doing, like, laying the foundations. Mm. Um, obviously, episode three, My Best Friend's Mistake. Is that the next one? That's it. <sighs> Bring it on. So, looking forward to that. I think definitely got a bit more to go in, in the character growth department for just setting everything up. Um, I guess this is sort of more. This is more of the dynamic between JD and Elliot and Turk and Carla. Um, so now they've just started dating. Um, 
it's it's still early stages, so Turk's spending a lot of time with Carla. Yeah, um, but JD and Elliot aren't dating yet, are they? No, 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 no. But this is now the game of cat and mouse between JD and Elliot. So see who's, you know, it's more, I guess, not like daring to see who's going to make the first move. Um, A few interesting things. Mm. Despite the fact that they're now in the new hospital. Yep. Um, JD walking into the hospital is the same one used in the pilot episode. Exact same scene. Um, okay. Well, that... that- Makes sense. I mean, why would you want to reshoot something if you don't have to? Jay, um, Turk's mother mm. appears in later seasons. You actually yes. meet Turk's mother. The picture of her and Turk where Elliot says, when did you meet Morgan Freeman? Yep. Isn't Turk's mother. Okay. It's just a random picture. Okay. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, that's it? Yes, I knew that this was a thing. So this episode has, I I was thinking about this. This is what I was going looking for. Yeah. This episode has an exterior shot of JD and Turk's apartment. Almost like a, um, it's like a a friend's style exterior shot. How I Met Your Mother style exterior shot. Mm -hmm. They, They almost never use that shot. Like, I think you see that shot two or three more times again. Okay. But you never see that shot. Again, like this is yeah. this is such an establishing episode that all of these things that are unimportant. I guess it's sort of it's the first time that Turk and JD are in their apartment together as well. Yeah, interestingly, the, yeah. in the background there's a computer. Yes, I, I can't wait to see when that computer disappears. <laughs> Very soon, or do have we just never noticed it before? I guess is the other question. I hope I hope that it's the um, I hope that it's the former. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's episode that's two. It. Do you have any questions for Bill? For My this mentor, episode? I do. Um, you gave me a good one. My phone's just ringing at the moment. That's okay. Well, I'll, I'll go yours? for mine. So, my first one, uh, my question to Bill for this episode would be um, How long did it take to transition to the new hospital? I guess oh. from from obviously the pilot and, and the old hospital to the new one. Um, how, how long was it for. Um, to set up, I guess, it would take several months to get everything set up and going. But I'd, I'd love to know how long and what the turnaround was. You know, was it just sitting there? Did they say, look, we've already practically got a set going. It'll take you three weeks to get everything in place. Mm. Or was it just, you know, oh, it took us three or four months? Yeah, right. That's a good That's a good point. Yeah. Because they, they have, apparent, like, apparently everything, almost everything happened in the hospital. Yeah. Because... Um, I'm I'm actually going to correct you something on a bit of trivia here. Okay. So it's being viewed on NBC. NBC are playing it. Yeah. ABC's producing it, which is apparently a very bizarre thing. Well, ABC bought the rights to season seven and uh, yeah, eight but, and nine. But there's a period there why where ABC are producing it and it, NBC are playing it. That's really weird. And then Touchstone, obviously, the distributor, so they're making yeah. a fortune out of it, syndicating it yeah. across the world, which is how we're seeing it. Um, my question for Bill, mm-hmm. how many sets actually exist inside Sacred Heart, particularly the permanent ones? So we see the ICU. Yeah. We, we see the, the nurse's station. We see the nurse's station. And the, and the there's a patient's the... room, which is just the same patient's yeah. room we constantly they've, see. They've got a private patient's room as well as like the open floor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, then we see, you know, Kelso's office eventually appears um, Coffee Bucks eventually appears, but I want to know how many rooms are they actually using? Is there just one floor that's a set 
and that's it? Or yeah. are there actually quite a lot more sets going on um, in in the in the hospital? That's my question. Yeah, and I guess it, it will it evolves over time because then they start including the roof. Yeah. Um, and the car parks in there a lot. Yeah. Which is the emergency entrance? There's the reception area. What I love is um, how much the same characters move. So obviously Laverne and Carla are based at the nurses' well, station. Well, yeah, and that's not the only nurses' station. There's at least two others. Yeah, yeah. But always... then you'll see them at reception. Like yeah. they'll be working out of reception sometimes. Well, that's it. It's I guess yeah. I've never really thought of that until you just brought it up. Then that, that's a good point. That you know, why do they always happen to be at that rotation when that specific scene always happens? Because it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a scripted television. scene. I know, but <laughs> it's yeah. All right, I need to eat some more Asian food. Um, we'll be back when we watch episode three, which is called uh, "My Best Friend's Mistake." Brilliant.